Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Over the course of the summer, we've been coming, coming back to, um, around the ministry of our, of our guest speakers, we've been coming back to the fundamentals of the faith. I, I told you as I began this series a long time ago, the story of Vince Lombardi and his first day as coach of what would become the dynasty known as the Green Bay Packers during the 1960s and early 1970s. These guys were already a good team. They were professional athletes, professional football players, but on their very first meeting, the very first thing that the great legend Lombardi said was this. He held up a football and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And he, from there, told them that we are going to focus on the basics. We're going to focus on the fundamentals. We will not be a flashy team. We will not ever uh, degrade ourselves by sinking to the level of trick plays. We are simply going to master the basics and the fundamentals, and thereby we will become champions. And it worked year after year after year. And uh, looking at the American church, it does not seem to be on exactly a winning streak these days, and I am convinced that part of the reason for that is because we have focused on other things. We've gotten our eyes off of the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of a, a God who lives and breathes around us and in us that he has gathered his people into a holy church. Don't ever refer to the church without at least the asterisk of holy because the people of God are a changed people because of the life of Christ within us. Amen? And as we go back to the fundamentals of the faith, one of the clearest expressions of them is found in the Apostles' Creed. I'm not going to ask you to uh, confess that with me again this morning, as we have many times throughout this series. But it begins with this statement, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, and, and, and we, we have these statements that the build, and there's this crescendo throughout the creed to where you get to the place where we are in, in the creed today, and, and the people should, be, it's implied, should be on their feet and cheering and, and, and hands in the air and, and gaining tempo and gaining volume because of the gained confidence that we have built on the foundation of our faith in God the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, His only Son, and in the blessed Holy Spirit, a triune God who loves us and who we know and who lives in us. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I headed up into the far north, way up into Alaska. And I know if you've been looking at my pictures on Facebook, you think that I went up there to fish. Um, it should be noted, I think, that... Um, I fished some, but that I, I went up there as well to preach the gospel. And uh, five, five nights during my trip up there, I got a chance to open the scriptures to people, and, and they listened, and they responded to God's word. And there was one man the very last night. He didn't say anything. But in my conversations with him throughout the week, it became apparent that he did not yet know Jesus Christ. He was there with a friend, just going to a fishing camp in Alaska. And the last night, I, I presented the gospel one more time, and, and like we will at the end of the service today, we'll, we shared Holy Communion. And I said, if, if you're reaching God's direction in the belief that he's reaching yours, 
You want to know what it is to be forgiven. You want to know what it is to have God come and live in you. Why don't you come and receive Holy Communion? And he sat there for several minutes while others came and then stood to his feet and made his way down front and received Holy Communion, an act of saving faith. It was beautiful. So I'm glad I got to fish, but I went to the far north country to preach and to teach the gospel. As I turned to the scriptures this week, I found a time when Jesus did the same thing. He grew up in the northern part of his country, but uh, if you look at the map, he went to this place in the, the passage that we'll read here in a moment, um, far north of where he lived. In fact, it's way up in the, the, the border country, uh, up there toward Lebanon and Syria. It was a town called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was, an, was a, a, a noteworthy city for a number of reasons. It had been for centuries and centuries and centuries by the time that Jesus went up there and took his disciples there for a lesson. Back during Old Testament days, Caesarea was a town that was known by the name of a, a pagan god. And it was uh, basically the god of good fortune for the Canaanites. And so all of the people who were hoping for a little bit better luck thought maybe Caesarea was the place where they should live. And, and they would roll the dice by offering gifts and sacrifices to that, uh, that what we would call a pagan deity. It was during the Old Testament era. By the time we got to uh, the, the New Testament era, the Romans had come and, and they had toppled the previous civilization. And uh, early on there, they renamed that city then because they didn't want it to be named for that God that they no longer wanted people to believe in. The, the Romans came also with their gods and their religion. And so they named the city after the, the god Pan. And Pan was the god of the wild country. And that's how the Romans viewed this place. It was an established civilization with a city and a society within it, but they saw these people as less than, as, as crude, barbaric types, and so they needed the god of the wild places to come and, and tame it, and so they named that city Pan. But then uh, as time went by and, and different folks came into power, there was a, a Hebrew king, who really was kind of enslaved to the Romans and knew it, and uh, to kind of put a good face on things with the guy who ultimately would decide his fate, he named the city after Caesar Augustus, and it became known as Caesarea. And then one of his descendants realized that there was another lesser king who also had thought he had a claim to the city, and so he tacked the name Philip on there and by the time Jesus was on the scene, the city was known as Caesarea Philippi, always a place of influence, always a place where people were thinking some kind of spiritual thoughts, and yet that spirituality interfaced with the world and politics around them, and it was kind of a seething cauldron of socio-political activity, Caesarea Philippi, city of the far north. And Jesus, who had centered his ministry down among the country folk around the, the Sea of Galilee and who occasionally made some forays into the, the big city of Jerusalem where he took on the who's who and the religious aristocracy and the politicians of his day in his country. That Jesus who made a few stabs into Jerusalem but who mostly worked among the country folk, he one day turned his back on all of that and plowed straight up into the far north country. He said, guys, come with me. 
there's something I've got to tell you. And it was at Caesarea Philippi that Jesus had this conversation with his friends. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Apparently these folks believed in some form of reincarnation or folks coming back from the dead. Others say Jeremiah, another one of the Old Testament prophets, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. God's people said, amen. An incredible conversation. Can you see Jesus there on the hillside? The hillside ascending above him with the ruins of, of other temples and other gods, city walls that were building with three, four different colors of stone because of different civilizations that rolled in there and made war and and toppled the the town and set up their own rule within it. City named one thing, changed another, changed to another, changed to another, all because of different gods. By the way, did you know that Caesar thought he was a god? Yeah, Caesar Augustus, the one that they named the city after for political reasons, they put his name there because a place with all those temples must be the seat of the god or the gods, right? He was here with all of that as the backdrop that Jesus said, who do you even think I am, guys? You've been with me for two and a half, three years now. And Peter, who often blurted things out, finally got one in a row right, said what he said. You see, Jesus founded the church there that day. He had this guy, Simon. Simon is, uh, by the way, a, a name that, that means shifty. And he said, hey, shifty. And friends, who do you think I am? And Peter got it right. And in that moment, Jesus said, you know, that confession that you just made, Peter, is going to define you. It's going to change who you are. And uh, it's, it's that kind of resolve and that kind of belief that I will found my church upon. Jesus founded the church that very day. But it's interesting to me that when this first time that we ever have recorded Jesus using the word church, he used an important qualifier before it. He didn't just say church, and he didn't say a church, and he didn't say the church. He said, my church. Can you feel that this morning? Feel that this morning. See, this is a wife down here, Laura Purcell. There's another wife sitting behind her, Lisa Asker. Couple sitting behind Lisa, Kathy and Bonnie. I love all four of them. But one of them is mine. And she's more precious to me. And when I say my wife, there's something that happens in my heart. I hope something that happens in hers. 
And something that happens in your minds as you recognize the the tone, the difference of tone as I talk about Laura than I talk about any other woman on the planet. And Jesus, when he was founding the church, the day that that he introduced the idea of church, church, that thing that so many people now find distasteful and, and say is, is only abusive or, or is only outdated. When Jesus said church, he said, my church. And he said it with love and he said it with tenderness and he said it with affection, exactly as he meant it, exactly as he felt it. On this rock, I will build my church. The word church means called out ones. But I think the word my tells us every bit as much as church does about the identity of this thing and and these people down through time. It's a group of people who've been called out from all the others to belong to Jesus, to have an, an exclusive kind of relationship with him. No other gods, just this one, Jesus who will love him back with a holy passion and refer to him as my Lord. My church, Jesus said. My Lord, the church says in response to him. The apostle Paul was talking about the church, oh, 30-ish years Later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, whenever Paul refers to the church, he doesn't just say the church, and he doesn't say church, and he doesn't say a church. He says God's church. It shows ownership. It shows association. It shows relationship. It shows belonging. Whenever we talk about the church, we are talking about something that belongs to the holy God of heaven and earth. It's rightfully his. And he loves and is quite fond of it. Here's the good news. You're part of it. This thing that down through time has belonged to God, this thing that was announced by Jesus as as mine. You are a part of it. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, anyone who dares to believe that this man who lived in in Palestine 2,000 years ago was actually a God come to earth, whoever dares to believe that he lived sinlessly and died selflessly to make it possible for all the rest of us who have been neither sinless nor selfless most of the time, to, to connect us with God, the Father, in a holy, loving, permanent relationship. Anybody who dares to believe such audacious claims is in that moment of their belief a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And whatever it is that Jesus feels toward the church, whatever it is that God the Father wills for the church, it is yours in its fullness and in its goodness. Church, receive your king. Church, receive your place at his feet and at his table and in his kingdom. You belong to him. People, individuals, understand, you belong to the church. You're part of it. It means that as we look over our shoulders historically and we see some of the abuses and some of the weaknesses of the church, that's us. 
So there's probably a, 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 an appropriate sense of always repenting that is necessary to being a part of the church. When we have to look over our shoulders, both way back in history and, oh, let's say my, my actions yesterday, and always be turning away from sin and turning toward God in affectionate pursuit. We're a part of the church. That means it's, it's warts, it's faults, it's us, right? It's us. We're a part of the church. That's the good news. As a part of the church, I think there are a handful of things that we need to know. This morning, I'm going to try to get through a number of them. I, I think it's important to know some of the benefits that come with membership in the church of Jesus Christ. They're numerous. I couldn't list all of them this morning. I can't go on and on about them either. Um, I think it's also important to know that there are some responsibilities that come with being a member of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's church. Okay? Let's talk about the benefits first. Okay? I'm, I'm no salesman, but something tells me that um, this is the way to go about it. To tell you what's good about being in the church before I tell you about what it means for you to stand up and shoulder the, the appropriate weight of responsibility within the church. Let's talk about some of the benefits first. You have benefits just like you do being involved in anything else. If you're a member of the Purcell family, you have a, a right to certain things. And same thing with your family. And if, if you're the, uh, a member of some social club in town, that comes with certain uh, benefits as well. If you're um, a part of an insurance group, you get certain benefits that come with that, okay? There are benefits to being part of the church of Jesus Christ. And one of them is encouragement and comfort. These things tend to kind of come in pairs. Uh, How many of you have noticed that this business of following Jesus, of really doing the things that he taught us, is kind of difficult? I mean, there's the business of, uh, you know, not lying. Anybody ever, ever struggle with the responsibility to always tell the truth? Just your pastor. Your pastor is the only one who ever struggles with that temptation. Man, there are some times when it would just be far more convenient for me to say something other than what is the truth. It is sometimes hard to do that. I need encouragement to always do that. But I I win that one, you know, a lot of the time, Um, that, uh, that struggle. But you know where I struggle? And I mean where I really need encouragement? It's in, the, it's in the, the love your enemies thing that Jesus talked about. It's in the forgiving 70 times 7 department. I'm telling you, I'm not man enough to do that. I need the help of God, and I need the help of God's people in order to do that. You know, you can help me in my quest to tell the truth and to love my enemies and to forgive 70 times 7 if it's necessary. You do it too. Because if I see you relying on God's Holy Spirit and the encouragement that comes from being a part of a people who are like-minded in pursuit of relationship with the Holy God, I'll dare to believe that if he can do it with knuckleheads like you, he can do it with a knucklehead like me. Yeah. If we we pursue this together, it encourages each of us to continue pulling in the harness and pointing away from sin and toward God and living in obedience to him. I need the encouragement that comes from being a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, for all the people who've said, "I, I need God, but I don't need the church, 
they are living an impoverished existence today because the struggle for them is much harder than it ought to be because there is a power assist available to all those who will join the ranks of the church of Jesus Christ and particularly a local expression thereof. You see, it's as I get to know Dwayne Pursuit and his particular version of the struggle to love his enemies and to forgive 70 times 7. It's as I get to know his weakness and I see him continue to struggle that I become encouraged that if a guy who struggles with it maybe every day will continue to struggle, then I'll be encouraged to, to stand alongside him and do it too. The Church of Jesus Christ offers encouragement. Alongside encouragement, it also offers us comfort. Many of you who were connected with a lot of the church body on Facebook saw that yesterday was an, was an anniversary for us, horrible one. Four years ago, the Johnson family had a wreck, and Brian left us. Still can't say it without feeling. And that was one of a number of instances in which I watched the comfort of the church of Jesus Christ. Not, Not the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He certainly was doing his thing. But I watched people surround a family. We did that recently for Lisa and her family as well as she lost her dad. I'm telling you, there is a comfort in the church of Jesus Christ that can be had nowhere else on the planet. When your life hits its biggest bump, when when you run aground emotionally, you will find that, yes, there's a God out there somewhere, but it will be the people of God who help you to experience his love and his encouragement and his help and his comfort. It will be the literal physical arms of the church people surround you. It will give you the comfort that you need. That's one of your benefits. As you look at the church of Jesus Christ, are you a person who can see um, more of its faults than you can of its benefits? When you're a person who's a part of this church body and has been for a while, and you look around at the, at the individuals within it, do you see the faults and weaknesses more than you see the beauty and the presence of God? Hey, Facebook audience, I want to talk specifically to some of you right now. I know that, that many of our viewers are a people who love the Lord, but who have said, I'm done with the church. I want to speak to you today as a loving brother as I'm talking to my congregation here today and say, as you look at the church of Jesus, if what you see are all the faults and weaknesses and brokenness, Jesus had a word of instruction. Take care of the log in your own eye before you go trying to pick sawdust out of others. Hey, First Nass, those of you who are here today, You have stuck around when others have found reason to leave us. I want to thank you for being people who recognize their own logjam and who have said, I won't worry about the sawdust in others' eyes. I'll 
I'll deal with this. And these people around me, I will view as the beloved ones of God, my church family. And you will continue to receive the benefit of encouragement and of comfort that way. There's also this word of instruction that is available to the church. Oh, that's what I just did, wasn't it? Right? There's the word of instruction that is made. It's one of the benefits of being part of the church of Jesus Christ is that through the scriptures and through teachers and preachers within the church of Jesus Christ, you will gain instruction in how to follow him. And sometimes it will build you up and and make you feel happy and strong about your current experience in the faith. And at other times it will challenge you and correct you. Instruction in the Christ life is one of the benefits that comes with the church. And I'm just going to tell you that the electronically downloaded versions thereof are a temptation because they tempt us to believe that we can receive all the goodness of the church without taking on any of the responsibility of being a part of one. So again, to our Facebook friends, we love you. We're glad that you join us. It is our heart's sincerest hope that one day soon you will join a local church in your community where you will be instructed from the word. Uh, And all the people at First Naz said, Amen. amen, amen, yeah. There's words of instruction and words of correction. Um, those, those things are part of the, the benefit of being part of the church of Jesus Christ. There's also a benefit that is, uh, that is called belonging. And I know that, that churches uh, are, are a strange place to belong because churches have a history. All the people who've been going here for years have a shared story, and everybody who's a newcomer to it hears us talk about things in the past that we weren't part of, and we think, huh, I, w- I wish I could have experienced that. I wish I, wish I was an insider all the, all, the, all the inside jokes and all of the, the, the remarks about the past and the hardships like, like I talked about a few moments ago that, that have bonded us together. I understand that those things can make the church wonderful for those who've been a part of it for a long time and it can make it a very difficult place for folks who are brand new to it and trying to find a place to belong. But the church of Jesus Christ is to be a place where people experience belonging. And so... Uh, There's two different words here of instruction. To those of us who've been a part of this church long enough that you call it my church, not mine, yours, that you refer to it as your church, understand this. You have got to open the circle a little bit wider. You have got to open the circle a little bit wider. Isn't it great to have your circle of friends? Isn't it great to have the people who've been encouraging you in the faith over the years? Everybody else needs it too. And they should not have to elbow their way in. They should be welcomed like this. Okay? Now, I also want to say to everybody who's kind of new, all of what I said is true, and yet we're human beings with feet of clay. And when we've already got our arms around friends, we sometimes don't look over our shoulders. And so while I said to the folks who already belong, people shouldn't have to elbow their way in, you might. You just might. I mean, you're going to have to do some work to belong. Not just this church. This isn't this church's problem. It's every church everywhere. Folks already have some, some circles of friendship and belonging. Listen, 
If you're a person who's new to the church or a person who has been a part of this church for a long time and still feels like you don't belong, listen to me. You're not alone. But, but can you receive this word of instruction? The day that you decide to solve the problem of not belonging, you'll solve it for somebody else too. The day that you decide that group over there is kind of set, and you start looking for some other folks who don't yet have that tight circle, it will meet a need for you and for them. So how about we take the Jesus approach of looking for those who just don't seem to have a place yet and find our place of belonging with them. My dear old great Aunt Dorothy, who was one of the greatest influences in my faith, taught me a long, long time ago. When I was a junior high kid, we'd sold the farm. We're getting ready to move to a new place uh, where I'd go to high school, change schools, not know anybody. She said, you want to you know the secret to getting a new friend? Be one. Hmm. Yeah. You can solve the problem of not belonging for you by solving it for somebody else. The church is supposed to be a place that is marked by belonging. Um, there are some other benefits as well. If I could read my own handwriting, I might tell you about them. Ah, one of the benefits of being a part of the church of Jesus Christ is that it becomes a laboratory for your personal spiritual growth, meaning this. If you hang with us long enough, you'll get past the thin veneer of polish, and you will find us with all of our, our, all of our faults, and weaknesses, and insensitivities, and sins. And they are going to bug the snot out of you. When you stick around long enough to get to know us and find out just how imperfect we are, you're going to think, I do not want to be a part of these people. I got to go find the church that isn't full of crazy people. I got to go find the church that isn't full of people who are a little too free with their tongues i got to find a church that doesn't have so many porcupines in it. And they ain't one out there. But this local church, in its reality, with its incompleteness, with its imperfection, with its weakness and insensitivity and sins, will become the laboratory for your personal spiritual growth. You see, in that perfect church out there, you won't have to be patient or more patient than you are now. In that perfect church out there, you won't have anything to look past or forgive. But in this one, you're going to. You stick with us long enough, we will tick you off. You stick with us long enough, we will disappoint you. You stick with us long enough, we'll hurt you. Not because we intend to, but because we're we're faulty, frail human beings who've been saved from our sins and are currently still being saved from them. And one day, we'll be completely saved from them. But for now, we're just us. And in our imperfection and weakness, you will find an opportunity to practice the things that Jesus taught that are, that are empowered by his Holy Spirit. And you will grow up in your faith as you make room for us. And the good news is we'll grow by you in all of your brokenness that comes banging into our lives. 
The church of Jesus Christ, a local expression of it, is the perfect laboratory for your spiritual growth, for all that change that you promise you're going to make every New Year's with all of your resolutions. We are the laboratory in which you will become mature in your faith, all grown up in Jesus. And you can't get that by bouncing from one church to another every time that you find out its faults and weaknesses, every time its pastor makes you mad, every time that its board doesn't get it. It's by sticking with us. I'm telling you, it's by sticking with us that you are going to grow up in this most holy faith. It's by us sticking with you. Those are good benefits. You get to grow up in your faith. You get to be instructed. You get to be corrected. You get to have holy examples and some unholy examples. Occasions to deal with that big sticking out of your eye. You get to belong. You get to help other people belong. You get to be encouraged in your faith and comforted when you need it. Those are great benefits. You should be a part of a local church. I know a good one. Come talk to me. There are also some responsibilities of being part of the local church. And I want to talk to you about those today and realize that everybody who's sitting in the sanctuary probably already gets it. And uh, that's why um, you should look and, okay, link, link the sermon thing, the video, in all of your social media, okay? Because there's people who need to hear this next part. It's precisely because they don't understand the responsibilities of the church that many have said, I'll take all the Jesus and none of the church, It's precisely because they don't understand the full responsibilities of being part of a group that gets all these benefits that many people are missing from us from one Sunday to the next. It's precisely because they do not understand the responsibilities of being part of the church of Jesus Christ that the church is on a losing streak today. Let's talk about some of the responsibilities. They're important as well. You have a responsibility, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, to abide and not divide. You have a responsibility to become part of a local church. And yeah, you get to bring all of your brokenness and you get to bring all of your weakness and your sins and your insensitivities with you, but you don't get to hang on to all of those things and use them as an excuse for your behaviors that become divisive in the body of Christ. Instead, you're supposed to come and you're supposed to get grafted in, which means you grow into other people and into the vine, Jesus Christ himself. You come and you begin to form a bond that is not possible to be uh, uh, separated without doing great damage to you and to the body. There is a responsibility that you come and do something more than sample the goodness of the kingdom of God from a distance. This is not the drive-through at McDonald's where you don't have to sully yourself by going in. You can just reach and grab the stuff and flee. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a place where people wade in and begin to sew themselves into the very fabric of the church. Lisa's not leaving because of protests. She told me ahead of time. She's not leaving the church right now. I promise. If you're going to receive these benefits from the church, you're also called to abide in it. Put down roots. Grow into us. We'll grow into you. And then be careful about the way you participate within it, that you don't become a person who starts division, that, that works like a hatchet within it. You have a resp- responsibility to abide 
and not divide. You also have a responsibility then to participate rather than merely observing. Uh, every church has had this problem that uh, is referred to as the the 20-80 problem, 20, 20% of the people do 80% of the work or something, 10%. Oh, negative people say 10% of the people do 90% of the work, right? But it's still, oh, wow, there's a lot of people watching and observing instead of getting in, rolling up their sleeves, and helping all the rest of us to do the work of the church of Jesus Christ. You have an obligation if you're going to receive all the things that Jesus gives to you through the church to also come and fully participate instead of simply observing. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Say it with me out loud. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Yeah. You have responsibility to participate, not merely to observe, which uh, put another way means you have a responsibility to serve, not simply to receive. Anybody who has received goodness from the church has a responsibility to provide goodness to others within it. Anybody who shows up for things that have been planned has a responsibility to come and help plan some of the stuff that becomes good to other people. Anybody whose, whose children have ever benefited from the ministries of the, the, church, of the church's ministry to, to youth and children has a responsibility to once in a while volunteer for those things. Anybody who's ever taken a break from their crying little one by dropping them in the nursery, has a responsibility to go sit in there and let somebody else's kid sneeze and slobber on you to the glory of God, to the growth of your soul, and to the betterment of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's important that you serve, don't just receive. And it's very important. You have a responsibility, in fact, if you're going to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, that you would adopt an us-over-me mentality. What's good for all of us is, is more important than what's good for me. What's, what's good for the church of Jesus Christ as a whole is more important than my personal preferences, even than my personal needs. I know there's a lot of implied amens as I'm saying that. I know that. The us over me mentality is part and parcel of being born again. It's part of, 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 of the life of Christ within us. There's the us over me. It's very important that I, that, I, that I make that decision and that I remind myself often as I'm a part of the local church that this really isn't about me getting all of my needs met. This really isn't about me having the church just like I like it. It isn't about me feeling um, like it's a perfect fit for me, this church. It's really about saying I'll... Trusting God to meet my real needs, I'll abandon my personal pursuit of those things. And I'll do what's good for us as a whole. It sure makes for a healthy church. There's one last thing that I want to talk about is responsibility of being part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's important that we treat the bride of Christ with honor instead of trashing her talking smack about her. Listen, it has become like the sport of the day in, in American Christianity to go to all of your social media outlets and find the articles about 10 reasons I hate church, five reasons that modern music is bad, uh, how to know that your pastor is an idiot, um, 
you know, you know what I'm talking about? All the list articles that tell all the reasons that the church is, um, is, is, is gross, is beneath the dignity of thinking people, or uh, is just this thing, an outdated expression for rubes and fools. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you need help, I can pull up somebody's Facebook page around here and we'll just scroll and we'll find them. Listen, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier, I'm really fond of my wife. I remember the day, August 10th, 1991, that I saw her appear at the back of the church. <laughs> Most beautiful thing I'd ever laid eyes on in my life. Still looking good, dear. 27 years this August, soon, next week. Yeah, 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 that's where we're worthy. Thank you. If you have something less good to say about Laura, you better not say it to me. I'm just telling you, whether, it's, whether this is something holy and good rising up within me or whether it's my flesh, I'm going to tell you how it is today. If you don't have room for Laura Purcell in your life, I don't have room for you in mine. That's the way it is. She's the best woman that I ever met. She's the best person that I ever met. And I delight in her and I honor her. And I'm just going to tell you, I will require the same of you. Do not come to me to tell me what Laura said or did that disappointed you because you will be met at best with me sternly reminding you that she's my wife and that you better go take it up with her. And if you start a second sentence, I will show you the door because you will not dishonor my wife in my presence. Now listen to me. Jesus is a better husband than Cliff Purcell. And he has a holy love that burns hot and pure for his bride. And it is time that everybody understood how offended he is when we open our foolish mouths to degrade her in his hearing. And the hearing of one another. Listen, you don't even have to say it to me. If I find out you're gossiping about my wife, I'm showing up at your gossip circle and I will settle it. There is a holy Jesus who looks at his bride. Scripture says he sees her without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing and that he can't wait to get here and receive her to himself. And when we sit down here and talk like she's some toothless, used-up hillbilly whore, We offend the holy God. Listen, the church is not just good enough for you. She's beautiful. Hey, Facebook friends, I know I'm coming at you three different times today. You were hurt by pastors or churches before. Probably the closest church to you well, that wasn't that church and wasn't that pastor. And I wonder if maybe after these years of being away from a church, it might be time for you to ask God to help you to forgive the offenses of the past and to heal the wounds of the past and for you to begin to attach yourself to a church that you will cherish. And I want to say to First Naz, maybe... Maybe a great way to spend your afternoon would be purging your social media pages, huh? How about, how about if anybody were to read about the Church of Jesus Christ or First Naz, 
through your lens, she looked like a beautiful bride. She looked like Laura Purcell on August 10th, 1991. I'm not asking you to lie. I'm not asking you to color the truth. I'm asking you to begin to see the church for what she really is, the bride of Jesus Christ, that he is preparing for a fantastic wedding and a party feast afterwards that will blow your minds. She's already precious to him. It's time for her to become precious to us. Amen. So maybe the way to apply this today Tidy up our social media pages. Tighten the reins on our tongues. Volunteer instead of thinking about when you're going to get around to it. Actually give thanks for your church out loud to God and to others. Brag it up to your friends a little bit. You see, an imperfect church is perfect for an imperfect you. In the creed we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And some, some of us are thinking, oh, this is not a collection of saints. Yeah, it is. That's the New Testament word for the people of God, the holy ones, the ones who are being made holy, the ones who are being set apart for God's purposes. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, meaning everywhere that there's an expression of the church of Jesus Christ, that one true church worldwide, we're part of it. We believe in it. We get behind it. We're a part of it. And it is a place where the saints, the holy ones, the ones who are being made holy, are finding calm union, togetherness, being made into one. Do you believe in the Holy Catholic Church? Say amen. Amen. Do you believe in the communion of saints? If so, say amen. Amen. It is only in the church of Jesus Christ, by the way, that you will get to experience the sacraments. In the Protestant church, we see two of them. We see Holy Communion, the Eucharist, and baptism. And you heard earlier in the service today that that we're going to uh, celebrate baptism at Hell's Gate, at Hell's Gate, on the Snake River I need to hear from some of you who are ready to take that step, to be baptized into the church of Jesus Christ. My church, he said. It's next Sunday night. And it's only in the church that you get to experience this. You don't find people on the street corners. uh, They may be passing out tracts. They may be passing out Bibles. Nobody stands on the street corner with the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and offers it to people who just happen by. Because this is calm Union. It's the communion of the saints. If you in any way, shape, or form see yourself as being united with Christ, you need to be united to a local church. And because you came to this one today, we're going to let you be a part of us. And we hope that you'll put down roots and that you'll grow into us. Let us grow into you. And as a sign of that, why don't you come with us today to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ and receive his body and his blood. I'm going to ask the communion teams to come. Andy's going to put on some music up there. Understand that what we're doing is a symbolic thing. It's a tiny little piece of bread, and it's a tiny little thimble of uh, grape juice. 
And these things symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to take them in a moment. We're going to ingest them. We're going to chew up that bread and we're going to wash it down with with just the tiniest amount of grape juice. And in so doing, we're, we're actually praying a prayer. Christ, be in me. I need your life inside of me. Working its way out through my words, through my attitudes, through my actions. I want Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. It's an act of faith. You say, I'm going to become something more than I am right now. It's a pledge to the rest of us that you'll help us in our quest to grow toward maturity by taking the piece of bread that was touching the piece of bread that the person next to you picked up, by drinking juice that came from the very same jar. You're saying, I'm, I'm one with Christ, but I also want to be one with you. You and all of your faults and weaknesses and me and with my wrinkles and warts. I want to be one with you. Communion is the communion of the saints. We're part of the holy, one holy church worldwide. There's not much bread, there's not much juice, but there's a whole lot of meaning in this for you. This, by the way, another one of the benefits of being part of the church of Jesus Christ. Nobody who isn't in church today will be receiving holy communion just those who've gathered as a part of the body of Jesus Christ. While the communion team finishes up, why don't you just maybe give thanks to the Lord? Maybe he, maybe you need to talk to him a little bit about how you've talked about his bride. He'll forgive you. Whatever conversation you need to have between now and when we partake of these together, you just go right ahead.